Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It cannot be said enough, and it cannot be said with more clarity. The people at Bud Light screwed the pooch. They did. And the disaster that has unleashed is far beyond what they ever thought possible. And the woman who's responsible, this so-called marketing expert, this vice president of marketing who's since been let go, don't you worry. She'll end up with another job. She will be well taken care of. She'll be fine. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. But what about those Bud Light employees who won't be okay? Getting squozen by a company that forgot how to do basic marketing. Allowing politics to come into the place of a beer brand that is based on not giving a dang about politics. Well, this has had effects not only on those executives, but people really caught in the crossfire, caught in the middle, who did nothing wrong, but they work for Bud Light, and now they're having a problem finding their future because their futures are in question, their jobs are in question. Now you have the people at Public Square. They are coming into this And they are saying, hey, we will help these people who were working at Bud Light find jobs if they're losing their jobs. Michael Seifert joins us right now. He is the CEO of Public Square, publicsq.com. Of course, when they went public, that was a very, very big deal. This marketplace that helps products and brands that you could say are on the political right. And, And this is a little bit different. You're not talking about, hey, come join the platform. You're discussing hey you're somebody who for no fault out of your of your own is is out of work and uh and we're gonna help you get a job what brought this about and how are you gonna help well we are happy to help largely because uh these folks were caught in the crossfire something that they had no control over the ceo of bud light has screwed the pooch as you uh properly uh stated this guy is facing no repercussions brandon whitworth he's not having to take a downgrade of his salary he's not getting terminated even though he has abdicated responsibility completely and uh has refused to apologize no matter how many times he's been pushed on it for completely misjudging his consumer base now 350 employees had to be terminated from bud light and we wanted to say hey if you're one of those employees that have faced the brunt of a decision you didn't get to make that has negatively affected your brand then we'd love to help we're actually going to connect you with the nation's largest marketplace network of patriotic small businesses that focus on excellence and meritocracy. They don't masquerade as progressive political organizations. And in turn, let's see if we can get you a job. So we were driven to help because we're so frustrated at watching this happen over and over and over again. These multinational corporations continue to sell out Americans. And it's really unfortunate when uh, that hits literally the employees that had no decision over the matter now if you've never seen a public square and and full disclosure i have no business relationship with with public square i i am a fan and and eventually i may put businesses on the marketplace i don't as of today and i like to always make sure we're all uh you know clear about where i'm at uh this is public uh square right here and it's where you go and you can see how businesses are, are 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 listed and put up there and what you're saying is you're going to be able to to utilize the marketplace itself to help these people get jobs. What's the plan? 
Well, it's actually already working. That's exactly right. We basically gathered resumes. We, I, I wrote an open letter to back up even further uh, to those 350 employees that were terminated, and I posted it on Twitter, or now X. And that letter, with no paid promotion or anything, it, it actually went viral. It had over 3 million views just within the first 72 hours. And uh, my message was simple. If you're one of these folks that have been laid off, please reach out to us because we would love to pass on your resume to a freedom-loving employer that uh, would love to take a look. And so many of the businesses within our network are hiring at the moment. So we put out this open letter, hoped that it would gain traction. And thankfully, we had more than a few of the actual terminated employees from Bud Light reach out, share their resumes with us. And we've passed those on. In fact, we've heard that a few of the folks that gave their resumes are actually in the in like the second or third stage of interview processes uh, only a week and a half later with some of these companies. So uh, we're really seeing this transfer in society of folks on the consumer side, the employee side, the investor side that are saying, I'm done with woke corporations. This stuff has become so insane. I am ready to embrace the core principles of the American economy again with an employer or a company or an investment arm that will match my values, a love for country constitution and the values that it protects. And uh, that's exactly what we're trying to do here is conduct this transfer. And uh, it's working. $27 billion drop in market cap from Anheuser-Busch. And meanwhile, the patriotic parallel economy is continuing to prosper. And not just the, the, the drop in, in that. They sold off 10 brands, including Shock Top and a host of others. They they are trying to figure out how to keep their capital uh, kind of uh, opportune. Talking to Michael Seifert, he is the CEO of Public Square, publicsq.com. Uh, we see what the job market is. We certainly see layoffs from big tech companies while we see also big tech companies being the reason why the S&P and the Dow is doing so well. Five companies account uh, for near 60% of the growth uh, of the S&P. You're talking about the fact that in a week and a half, we'll call it 10 days for those of us playing the home game, Michael, that we have seen now multiple interviews with Bud Light employees what is it about these companies, and can you name any of the companies that are engaged in actively uh, doing these interviews? What is it about them that goes against what we're seeing in other parts of the economy? That Where does their either desperation come from looking for employees or willingness to be able to write the check, the ability to write the check in this economy right now? Well, they're growing. And they love America. Those are two really important pieces. The reason these businesses are able to hire right now, and we at Public Square are even hiring, uh, is because we ultimately are seeing uh, the ability to grow with this parallel patriotic economy that is emerging day in and day out. It's one of the fastest growing economies in the world. In fact, if you just look at election data from 2020 and you take the people that voted conservative in 2020 and you put some GDP numbers around that, the best estimates show that that accounts for about $7 trillion dollars in GDP. Seven trillion dollars in GDP is the third largest economy in the world. It's bigger than India and Japan, and no major companies are speaking to this cohort. So if you're a business today that's willing to unashamedly say, we love America, we love the Constitution, and we're going to market toward that audience that feels that same way, 100 plus million American adult consumers, you're going to see growth and success. And that's exactly what we've seen on our platform. So that's certainly a differentiator as to why these businesses are growing right now. And I'll obviously respect the privacy of these specific businesses that are in the hiring process. But what I will say is that they come from a wide variety of industries. You know, this is not just faceted to one sector of the economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're really seeing growth in this patriotic economy across multiple industry sectors, which I think is a 
sign of their resilience. You used the term uh, patriotic economy a, a couple times. And I'm not saying it isn't a good term. I want to kind of define it, delineate it, because there will be people who will say, well, look, I don't agree with Republicans on X, Y, or Z, but I consider myself a, a, a patriot. What to you and to Public Square uh, delineates the patriotic economy and what does it mean to market to the political right? Well, I think it uh, has to start with principles rather than political values. So uh, I think it it goes a lot deeper than just which political party you're affiliated with. Now, I do tend to think that the folks that are on the conservative side of the aisle generally these days have a greater love for country. They're not the ones kneeling for the anthem. They're not the ones that are protesting uh, American uh, statues and, and advocating for their removal of people like Abraham Lincoln. These are not the people on the American right. So we kind of have to all agree to on a, a base principle that there's a group of folks in the United States today that are more conservative, more family value oriented, and they're not the ones that are trying to change the national anthem. These are the people that happen to have the most pride in waving the American flag, and they focus a lot more on July 4th than they do on Pride Month. And I think that that's an important differentiator because when you see Bud Light do what it did, you're watching a company that historically has marketed to that pro-America, classic Americana audience that loved the Clydesdales and the American flags and the funny commercials. You're seeing them depart from that audience, actually call them fratty and outdated, to be specific, and then pivot toward this gender ideology nonsense that's more often associated with the American left. And so uh, I think when we talk about patriotic businesses, we talk about businesses that want to go back to the basics, a love for country, a constitution, and the values that are embodied in that sacred document. And on top of that, these are businesses also that have not adopted or been co-opted by a DEI or ESG agenda. They focus on providing maximum value with excellence and meritocracy to their shareholders and their customers. That, to me, is classic American exceptionalism exercised in commerce. Can you uh, give me an idea of how many people from Bud Light have reached out and have others reached out to say, wait a second, I don't work for Bud Light, but I could use a job. Here's my resume. Yeah, that's happened a ton. It's interesting. When we put out the open letter, we got you know just over a dozen resumes from the actual Bud Light people themselves. But we got uh, scores more from people that are just wanting an, a job, and they're very curious about how they can actually get hired. Uh, and we've partnered with a great job board, actually, that we're in business with called Red Balloon. And so we're literally teaming up together to just connect all of these other prospective employees that have really nothing to do with Bud Light, but they're still looking for jobs in the freedom economy. We are actually helping them uh, find relationships with new employers that will respect their values and aren't going to put them through uh, a diversity training every other Tuesday and make them go through struggle sessions about how uh, uh, how detrimental the American economy is. You know, people want to go back to the basics of capitalism, and that's certainly true for employees. I'll tell you this too, Tony. We have hired at Public Square employees from Target, Amazon, Yelp, these other big tech and commerce behemoths that are saying, guys, all we do now at those other corporate entities is talk about mental health days and uh, feeling sorry for our skin color. Like, I'm done with it. I'm ready to innovate. I want to run. I want to feel like I'm actually doing something of purpose. Like, right. I have all these gifts. Let me run with them. And they're finding a home to do that in this new economy. Uh, talk to me about uh, where Public Square is right now. Public Square, publicsq.com. Uh, you guys went public uh, a couple months uh, ago. Big day there uh, on Wall Street. How has everything gone uh, since then? How are we feeling about price? And talk about innovation. What's next for Public Square? 
Well, we could not be happier. Actually, we just had our earnings call today, our first ever earnings call as a public company. And we were thrilled to announce that our user growth has been tremendous. Our business growth has been tremendous. Our revenue growth, first half of 2023 revenue, is up over 1,100% from first half of 2022. And uh, our consumer members now eclipse 1.43 million on the platform that have actual membership accounts on the platform, over 65,000 business vendors, well over 95% of which are small businesses. So yeah, we couldn't be happier with the growth of this patriotic economy found embodied at Public Square. Where we're going next, though, is incredibly exciting. This fall, just in time for the Christmas shopping season, we're actually launching e-commerce. So we are actually bringing all the transactions on the platform in-house. One shopping cart, multiple vendors, seamless checkout experience. This moves us from that sort of Yelp competitor to a true Amazon competitor. And that's something that we can't wait for, especially when folks are more than ever wanting to shop their values in a digital environment. But you're not doing shipping from a singular warehouse. People are still doing their individual shipping. They're still doing their individual shipping. Yeah, there's differing opinions on that. You know, Shopify just got rid of their fulfillment arm. They found that it wasn't very lucrative. They found that we can trust these businesses to handle fulfillment. Amazon has gone the other way. So, you know, people have differing thoughts in it. Those are decisions we'll make as we move forward into the future. Yes, we're starting with having great relationships with the vendors on our platform that have fulfillment standards that they have to abide by. But ultimately, that's on them. Uh, Michael Seifert is his name. Uh, PublicSquare.com uh, uh, is where you can find him, PublicSQ.com. And if you're a Bud Light uh, employee who's been squozing out because of uh, the horrors that their marketing department uh, put together, uh, you can reach out to PublicSQ.com and uh, they'll help you get uh, a gig. Uh, Michael Seifert, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. I'm Tony Katz. I start with a baseline. I don't know anything about John Green books. John Green, the author. John Green, based in Indianapolis. I love that he's based in Indy. I love that he stayed in Indy. I love that he wants to build uh, his his empire in Indianapolis. I think that's great. Do I know if, if John Green and I agree on anything? I have absolutely no idea. I don't think so. I think from some of his uh, prior statements, uh, the author of Fault in Our Stars and Turtles All the Way Down, uh, I don't think we'd agree on much. That's all right. I'd still have a cigar with a man. I'd still have a bourbon with, 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 with the man without question. It's okay that we might disagree on some things. It's not about agreement. It's about being able to coexist. Right, It's about being able to live within the same space and not think that someone should be destroyed. By the way, we should be clear, I don't even know if John Green knows who the hell I am. Why? Because I'm on radio? That's, that, is, that is not a reason for somebody to know who somebody else is. But John Green is getting quoted a lot because of what's happening in uh, a library in Fishers. And we're seeing this a lot in, uh, well, school libraries, because we're seeing people say these books, certain books should not be available. And certainly we have seen far too many uh, with the desire to bring very sexualized books in front of children. I oppose this, uh, of course, and certainly I favor parents being able to say that book should not be in my kid's school library. Note I said school library. And I have at all times 
discussed school libraries. And there are people who have screamed and yelled, oh, you believe in book banning? Whoa, 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 whoa. Some things are not appropriate for children. That's number one. And number two, so we understand each other. We're talking about school libraries. Very different than your regular public library. Well, the reason this story becomes about John Green is that in Fishers, they are taking his book, Fault in Our Stars, The Fault in Our Stars, out of the young adult section. It's now being moved to the general section at the library. John Green is unhappy that it has been removed from the young adult section and that it's now considered a book for adults. He's saying, and I quote, this is ludicrous. It is about teenagers, and I wrote it for teenagers. Teenagers are not harmed by reading The Fault in Our Stars. This is such an embarrassment to the city of Fishers. He then stated, I only have a small voice in these decisions, of course, but you won't catch me alive or dead in Fishers, Indiana, until these ridiculous policies are revoked. Well, okay. You don't want to go to Fishers. You don't want to go to Fishers. There's a couple of things here that I think are very, very important to note. And, and amongst these, I don't favor this move either. I think this is a mistake. When parents realize that they can affect change, and they should, they took action. And of course, they were pushed back upon in the worst kind of ways whether it is through a wink and a nod from the Department of Justice where others uh, referred to parents as domestic terrorists, whether it is these school boards that decided they don't have to listen, they could mock, they could keep parents from entering the room, they could do a whole series of things to try and prevent parents from knowing what's going on with their children. These things were despicable. And I'm not about to go back through John Green's Twitter feed to find out what he said or what he didn't say, I only hope he would agree that parents have the right to address what's going on with their children and parents have a right to demand knowing what's going on with their children. Certainly any place, whether it be the state of Indiana or any place else, that believes that parents shouldn't know when children change their pronouns or where teachers should not be informing parents of what's going on with their kids. If you believe that, you believe in the abuse of children uh, and you believe that strangers should have more say over uh, these kids than their own parents, I would find that despicable. I'm not saying John Green believes that at all. I don't know what he believes. But these parents, there are times, and we've seen this before, when the intention, let's say, is protecting kids. The going too far Haptons, right? Oh my gosh, this book has a sex scene, which it does. I actually checked with my wife. She loves John Green books. The book has a sex scene. Is that why they moved it out of young adult to adult? See, that's where we got to ask ourselves, are we going too far? And I would argue that that's what this is. This is a public library, not a school library. And the book, I think anybody would tell you, is clearly young adult. I mean, do we even have an understanding of what young adult books are? Wanting to protect kids and wanting to know what's going on with our kids, I believe is totally fine. And when these conversations happen within a context of a school library, I believe parents have much more of a, a leg to stand on. I got to admit, I don't know why this book was moved out of the young adult section of the Fisher's Library. 
And I think John Green has every right to be angry about it. And so do people in Fishers. Don't overstep the place. Stay focused. You're right to protect your kids. It's just sometimes you got to make sure you're doing it right, too. One man's take. I'm Tony Katz. So a woman in a bikini was told she wasn't allowed to board an airplane. Right. Because you're in a bikini and you don't wear a bikini on an airplane. Just like you don't wear pajamas on an airplane. You dress proper on an airplane. Like you dress proper for the theater. I'm sick and tired of the lack of standards. But maybe that's a personal thing. More importantly, we should all be totally exhausted by the people desperate for the click. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833 got Tony, 833-468-8669. The New York Post has this story. I actually saw it posted on uh, social media. I saw Derek Hunter uh, posted, a former radio host, maybe still a radio host. Derek Hunter's a really interesting brain uh, guy, really interesting thought process. Uh, like Derek a lot. And the headline was... I got banned from an airplane because I was wearing a cosplay bikini. Cosplay, costume play, dressing up as a, a character from a, a film or or an anime series or comic book, whatever the case may be. She's an OnlyFans model and influencer named, uh, is it Kinny-chan? K-I-N-E? Kine-chan? I don't know. And she was barred from getting on her flight at an airport in Brazil because her black two-piece outfit that resembled a bikini was too skimpy. Uh, She was uh, playing uh, the part of Rebecca, who's an anime character from Netflix's Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I don't don't know the the, the series, neither here nor there. She has over 600,000 followers on Instagram. And she's she tried to get on the plane. She's walking through the airport in this and like some kind of jacket. She has this turquoise blue hair going on. And she's amazed that she can't get on the plane. Well, of course you can't get on the plane. You did this so you could get a story written about you. So they would show off some of your photos. So maybe you garner another 100,000 fans. All right. So this was a marketing ploy. Well, well played. Well done. You got me talking about it. It must have worked. But you weren't banned. And it's important for people to know this. You weren't banned. You dressed in a way that doesn't work for the airplane. This goes back to the very conversation of standards and the importance of standards. If your objective is to get clicks and likes well what else will get you clicks and likes like going against the standard and going against the norm and showing how counterculture you are you don't understand that we grew up with madonna we've seen it all literally have seen it all you see this is the beauty of being gen x we are shocked and surprised by nothing and there is a difference between the generations i was trying to explain this to my kids who had a very interesting take on cancel culture and their take was, was specifically my, my oldest, uh, the, the take was, yeah, yeah, people uh, get angry about all sorts of things, but no one ever actually gets canceled, do they? 
in the end, who actually is stopped from saying whatever it is that they, they want to say? And I went back through it. Even if you were to take a look at Louis C.K., he has brought his career back. You take a look at some other people, they've brought their career back. Uh, certainly Dave Chappelle never got canceled. But it's untrue, and I explained to my oldest, it's untrue that some people didn't lose their careers, didn't lose everything. They, their, their, their careers were ended. Well, they did something that society didn't like, and so therefore, you know, we don't have to buy their tickets. I don't argue that you would have to buy their tickets. I argue that a concerted effort to keep them from having a future is abusive and wrong. If somebody makes a mistake, let's take, for example, Kathy Griffin, who posed with that picture, uh, you know, the, the model of Trump's severed head. All right, that's a bridge too far. We're canceling your gigs. We're canceling this. We're canceling that. Right? That's dealing with the ramifications of actions. Can she now go about doing clubs again? Well, of course she can. I'm not about to stop her from doing a club again. But the the idea that people would go to that show, well, that's pretty gross to me. And you can decide you're not going to that show. Chances are you weren't going to that show to begin with. But if I were to do something that somebody on the left wouldn't like, First, they would try and fire me from this radio gig. And then if I was able to get a radio gig somewhere else, they would protest and engage in threats against that radio company to keep me from being on air. We simply can't be okay with that. One could never be okay with that. With one side of the aisle, we engage a level of forgiveness and the protection. It's like we were talking about the CDC director. Uh, the, that wasn't CDC director. CDC gig from the guy who was the health director under Andrew Cuomo, the worthless governor of New York, who everything about COVID was a lie. Every press conference was nonsense. The book was uh, egomaniacal garbage, and they lied about the deaths in nursing homes. They lied in New York. And the guy who had to resign because of that got hired as a deputy for global whatever from the CDC. They protected the guy who lied about deaths in nursing homes, who cost people their lives, who brought unbelievable heartache to the people of New York. That guy gets another gig and protected. But if I was sharing data about COVID that somebody disagreed with, I should lose my job and then I shouldn't be able to get another one because I lied about COVID data, even though it was nothing more than something they disagreed with. So first, we should agree that you shouldn't immediately scream for someone to be fired because you disagree with something they say or some act that they engage but the idea of cancel culture isn't about a, a fair play. It is about the idea that some people shouldn't be allowed to have a say and they should continue to suffer at the hands of a vocal minority that engages threats against the majority or business or what have you. And so people not acting out of the First Amendment and not acting out of rationality, but acting out of fear, try and prevent other people from speaking. One should be opposed to this it is disgusting and it is wrong that's the cancel culture conversation i had to explain to my oldest that of course it is real and what it is predicated on is some 
real horrific bigotry and and violence if we're going to be honest about it of course it's it's violent in how it is approached because the approach is not so much to the to the person who they're trying to cancel but it's to the other entities that might hire that person if you do this then x it was like during the days of, of, of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. How come uh, you don't have a sign in your shop window saying you support Black Lives Matter? Well, we sell donuts here. So we just sell donuts. Well, if you don't have a sign, you must be opposed to Black Lives Matter. And we're going to let everybody know we're going to destroy your business. So you better put up a sign or else. Now, if you think that that is okay, that's just an exercise of free speech, I think we're going to have a big difference of what free speech is. Free speech also entails saying nothing. But being threatened for saying something or saying nothing, well, that's a whole new unique thing. And it is indeed the idea of threat. What is the difference between put up a sign or we'll destroy your business and pay me $50 a week or we'll destroy your business? There is no difference. It is not cancel culture. It is an abusive, oppressive, violent society where the minority believes they can engage total tyranny on the majority and the majority believes that they have a responsibility to cater to this ridiculous minority. The minority being the number of people, not actual minorities. Can we please... Oh, you see? You see, here it comes. Here it comes. They're racing for their keyboards to write nasty emails. You can, you can hear them clickety-clackety-go away. The standard, the standard is uh, free speech. That should be the standard. And free speech exists for the people that you hate, not for the people that you like. It exists for the speech that you hate, not the speech that you like. That's the standard. The standard is you don't wear a bikini on a plane. That's the standard. And when you do, well, you don't get to go on the plane. That's the way it is. Now, I will admit in this case, at least from the story as it is told, it's not like she held up the plane. It's not like, um, you know, she she kept people from 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 flying. And for that, I'm like, okay, she just showed up, wanted to make a story for herself, get a little press. Look, she got a, a whole thing in, in the uh, uh, New York Post with lots of pictures of her in various cosplay outfits, and she'll gain another 100,000 subscribers, and uh, it works great. Worked fine. If she had interrupted the plane, I would certainly have many, many, many more issues. But for people saying, you know, the, the airline should allow her on the flight, no. No, they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. They should have standards. Standards are good. Because standards can be seen as boundaries. They can be seen as limits. Now, I don't believe in limiting the human mind. I want you to create and innovate and grow and build. I am willing to say we limit how you act out upon that. Because if you want to have a fantasy, let's say, about violence, I'm not going to stop you because you might want to turn that into a book. 
right? I would never argue that one should limit Stephen King. I may hate him politically. He may be a dope politically, and he is a dope politically. Uh, But I'm not going to limit his mind when he comes up with these scenarios that are horrific. I don't want to limit the guy who wrote Misery. I don't know if I want to hang out with him in a cabin in the woods, but I don't want to limit the dude. I want to limit his ability to act out on the on the book misery. I don't want to limit the writing. I want to limit the action. There's the difference. There's the difference. So there are things where we should have limits. And for those who have never engaged the difference, it is the difference between freedom and liberty. So so we use these things interchangeably and they're not actually interchangeable. Uh, I am a liberty guy. Freedom is anarchy. And if I can't have liberty, I'll take freedom and take my chances because it's all better than communism. It's all better than being a subject. It's all better than any type of, of other rule, right? It, it's better than theocracy. It's better than uh, oligarchy. It's, it's better than all of it. It's better than dictatorship. It's better than authoritarianism or totalitarianism. It's better than all of it. But liberty is the idea of, okay, here are the rules of the society. And everybody knows the rules of the society. And we live within the rules of the society. Because once you do that, you know how to act. You know how to act. You know how to be. You know how to engage. And it's actually very freeing. And the rules of the road actually enable the concept of trust. It is much easier to trust somebody in a liberty society than it is in a quote-unquote freedom society or in a, which would be an anarchy society. And I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for saying anarchy, but it, it, when there are no rules of the road, it, it is what it is. And you can argue, well, in, on, in anarchy, you could create rules. Well, then I don't know how you'd call it anarchy. But uh, it, you would now have to get people to accept the rules, and that's not the way it works. And that's why I call it an anarchy society. And you have to admit that my point is valid. That I think you have to admit it because my point is valid. So I would, I take the liberty point of view. It's the liberty that I am after. It is the liberty that I think brings the most amount of uh, calmness, of rationality, of, of, of hope uh, to uh, a, a, a society, of, of understanding how we work and how we operate. And so I, I celebrate that and want to, and, and want to push that. Uh, that means standards and that means you don't get on a plane in a bikini. The bikini is for the pool. It's not for the airplane. There's a difference. Now, if you say to me, why is there a difference? I'll say to you, because you're pretty. That's why. Because there's a difference between the airplane and the swimming pool. If you go to the pool, expect to see people in bikinis, including really fat people. Oh, expect to see really fat people, men and women and all sorts of things you don't think they should be wearing. But you went to the pool. That's on you. You go to the Vegas pool, you're going to see some Vegas things. If you were to wear a full suit to the pool, that'd be weird. If you wear a bikini on an airplane, that's weird. Now, some people say wearing a suit on a plane is weird. No, that should be the norm. You wearing pajamas or a tank top or flip-flops on a plane, that's weird. Standards matter. Standards provide us value.
So I'm 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 down with it. I'm down with standards. Give me standards. I want more standards. Thank you. Thank you very much. As uh, for this uh, person on OnlyFans, um, uh, I'm not joining. I I don't think I'm going to be one of her uh, one of her OnlyFans. Uh, what it does say to me is anybody can have an OnlyFans page. Anybody can create an OnlyFans, which means I got to do it. I got to do it. Uh, I just need I just need some. I need to know my stations are in. I need to know I'm not going to lose my gig because my cigar OnlyFans is going to be amazing. Um, me smoking cigars? Oh, it's what people want to see, and especially in the cosplay outfits. No? In the suits. In the suits. Different kind of cosplay. I'm Tony Katz. If we're mourning every, anything this morning, it is the loss of democracy. I am your duly elected state attorney for the Ninth Judicial Circuit, and nothing done by a weak dictator can change that. Except, of course, if he suspends you for not doing your job. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. This story of DeSantis... Governor of Florida, presidential candidate, suspending Monique Worrell, state attorney for Florida's Ninth Judicial Circuit, accusing her of under-prosecuting criminals in her jurisdiction. I mean, that story is is everywhere. And who does DeSantis think he is? And it's just a stunt uh, for his run for the White House. Well, he's done this before. I think the question is, uh, who is Monique Worrell? And is she engaging her job properly? Or has she been fundamentally derelict, as the governor stated uh, in a press conference. Let people talk about this, because we've seen all across America prosecutors aren't doing their job, DAs aren't doing their job. Is she one of them? The investigation into that has clearly begun. We will dig into that tomorrow, everyone. Find everything at TonyCats.com. Take care.